Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back, boils and ghouls, ladies and germs, talking terror fans nationwide and worldwide. Once again, it's Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so you know where we're at. An all-new episode of the podcast. Welcome back. I am your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Tonight, we're going to be picking up with the Mad Monkey and his pick for tonight, Freaks, from 1932, directed by Todd Browning. Not to be confused with Freaked, like we talked about last week with Alex Winter, which is going to be a pick down the line, I'm sure. But before we get into all of the fun and frivolity for tonight, the Doc will not be joining us, unfortunately. He is off until next week. His pick is next week. I have the announcement to make. But as always, I am joined by the bold, the beautiful, the Gold Geek Keith. One of us. One of us. What is up, everybody? Gooba gobble, gooba gobble. One of us, indeed. We're going to make you one of us tonight. How have you been, Ghoul? Uh, you know, man, doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, uh, got some stuff upcoming, man. A lot of stuff upcoming. A lot of stuff to look forward to. A lot of stuff upcoming on the schedule. But as always, we are also joined by the man who picked this episode for tonight, the Mad Monkey. Looks like he's almost done with his tapioca pudding. He's finished his pre-show squirt. Welcome back, Monkey. Hey there, bulls and ghouls. Just like, just like our theme song says, ladies and gentlemen, bulls and ghouls, welcome to the greatest show on earth. That's right, step right up and get your tickets for tonight's episode, where we're going to be covering the 1932 classic, Todd Browning's Freaks. I'm excited about this, man. Oh, so how are you lovely ladies doing tonight? Fine, fine, fine. How are you, monkey? I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to our lovely listeners. Oh, sorry, man. Well, we can't hear them. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were talking to me, man. Right? Don't be a dick, monkey. Come on. Sorry, monkey love. I, I apologize. You got it in the mail, remember? <laughs> <laughs> monkey likes to do butt stuff. <laughs> As but he does. Through the mail. <laughs> You gotta be I'm really talented. But you gotta be really talented to do butt stuff through the mail service. That's right. <laughs> he leaves all his butt stuff to the U.S. Postal Service. That's how talented he is. <laughs> thank, thank you, postal workers. <laughs> mm-hmm. You are doing God's work out there. Giving butt stuff. Absolutely. To the monkey is a talent unbeknownst to himself, man. I mean, you know, I've never seen an asshole drawn so well. It's just it's, it's magic, what he can do with you know with some art. You gotta capture you got you gotta capture that pucker just right. Just yeah, right. No, it, it, it had the riches and everything, man. I mean, that was definitely as, as as true a bunghole pucker as possibly can be. He's done enough oh. studying about it. Uh, It'd be great. Okay. That would be a great picture, man, for like a bottle of hot sauce or something, man. 
Has that not done already? Like, I feel like there should be a bottle of hot sauce somewhere with a big butthole on it. <laughs> there is. Well, there's, butt, there's butt pucker, you know. But, okay. You know, so. and that's just basically got, you know, a person with their ass, and their asshole looks like it's been kind of blown inside out. Um, but, you know, like, you can get monkey pucker. <laughs> See, that sounds like a drink. That sounds like an alcohol <laughs> beverage. You have a hat. I'll take a monkey pucker, please. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be five dollars. Okay, all right. So yeah, as we kick off the next episode, do you guys have anything you want to talk about before I kind of kick off some things that I have? I just definitely mm-hmm. want to cover that trailer that you wanted to talk about later, King. That's all. Okay, we'll get to it. All right, uh, Ghoul. Do you have anything? No, nah, I mean pretty much all the stuff that I want to cover is stuff that you had the yeah that you're ready to bring up. So. Okay. All right. Very cool. Um, okay. So the first thing I wanted to bring up is what the monkey just said. Uh, there's a trailer for a film called Slaughterhouse Rules, which features Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, the duo behind Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, uh, a great comedic duo uh, from England. The film came out last October overseas in England. Hasn't come out yet. Uh, to me, I shared the trailer to you guys on the Facebook uh, Messenger. It uh-huh. looks like a fun, fucking gory Harry Potter romp that I don't think people are talking enough about. Like, I feel like this is the one that's going way underneath the radar, unlike Shaun of the Dead, where I felt like he got a lot of coverage and a lot of people wanted to see it. I feel like Slaughterhouse Rules not getting the same attention. So I wanted to get uh, your opinion on that, guys. Uh, Go ahead. Ghoul. Okay. Cool. Oh, sorry, monkey. You take that real quick because I got to do something real fast. Sorry. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, um, monkey. Yeah, for me, I totally agree with you here. Where for a Simon Pegg movie, you know, Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, you know, the the duo that we all love, you know, to be coming out with another horror comedy film. Seriously, I don't know why no one's talking about this. And I didn't realize, King, that it had already come out overseas. Um, yes. I, I thought this was supposed to be coming out. You know, Halloween in the United States, according to the trailer. I didn't realize it had already been released. And yeah, I, I had shared this to a couple, of, you know, of our horror family out there. And, you know, they too had never heard of this. It's like, you know, for some reason, they're just not trying to put the word out there for this movie. And it really throws me off. Like, you know, I, I saw more stuff for the movie, you know, Paul, that I saw for this, you know. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, you know, is the plan that they're going to be um, releasing this sometime soon in the U.S.? As far as I know, there are no plans as of yet to release it in the U.S. There have been no companies picking it up for U.S. distribution, whether it's through digital, you know, video on demand, in theaters. There's been no plans as of yet. Only the international crowd got to watch it last year when it came out uh, in the U.K., last October. So there's nothing planned as of yet. Um, which is disappointing because I feel like now is the time to capitalize when you have Nick Frost in the Page biopic, Fighting With My Family. Yeah. So you would think maybe people would want to watch more of Nick Frost. You know, Nick and Simon Pegg being in the Mission Impossible series, being in Star Trek, you would think there'd be more people wanting to see this movie, but I feel like it's gone completely unnoticed. Yeah. Um, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that, you know, like looking at, you know, the the trailer and everything with it, 
I think what you get with Simon Pegg, and I'm sure whoever the studio is that's behind this, I feel like if this film had done better over there, uh, review-wise, mm. it probably would have a release here, but I know review-wise, it's, it's sitting there at like a, a midpoint. It's got like a 5 out of yeah. 10, 40-something percent mm-hmm. on like Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, not like that means anything. I mean, listen, you know, I'm sure if you look at uh, a lot of films over the course, you know, d- d- depending on what people's personal preferences are. Like, I like Peg and Frost. Um, that being said, I enjoyed Shaun of the Dead. Didn't find Hot Fuzz to be all that great, so I actually never right. ended up revisiting that one. And I have still yet to see At World's End. Um, I own all three of them. Um, I just never got around to it. Uh, Paul, I had no fucking interest in seeing that movie whatsoever. Um, you know, maybe I'll get around to it eventually. But looking at this trailer, though, it, it's got some other actors and actresses in it that uh, that I do enjoy, though. Uh, Asa Butterfield, uh, Margot Robbie's in it. Michael Sheen, yeah. who's in Underworld and who was in last week's movie, uh, you know, the, the Twilight series. Um, mm-hmm. That guy's like a fucking chameleon. He ends up in like so many things that you just never realize that he's in them. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, this will this will be released on DVD, and it'll probably do what a lot of the these films do with these guys, and that's build itself a cult following, you know. And then they'll end up doing a you know a midnight showing somewhere at some theater for like limited times every once every couple of years or so. It'll make its little bit of money that it needs to make there but i always feel like when these guys make movies like this it's just for the enjoyment of working together they're not looking to make mm-hmm. money they're not yeah. looking to you know make some big box office mm. smash of any sort they're just looking to have a good time making mm. a movie as a bunch of friends yeah and it's especially because i was just looking up the specs here and the film's got a tiny budget man it's only got a budget of five million pounds you know, so mm-hmm. so we're not talking about a hardcore, huge ass production here that's getting ready to pop off. No, that, that, that's what, like seven million here, something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's got to be low. But it looked like, like I said, a fucked up Harry Potter. <laughs> you know, where it's instead of magic and everything like that, you got monsters. You know, and you have people killing people. So. You know, to me, the trailer was fun. I was like, I can't wait for this to get released. But as of yet, because like the Gula said, it did okay internationally. It didn't do great. And I saw a lot of reviews that said, it's okay. It's a good movie. It's not great. But I think that, like the Gula said, I think that's why here in the U.S., they're kind of waiting to kind of see whether or not, you know, what company is going to pick it up because it didn't do that great in the U.K., which is unfortunate. Yeah, and also it could just be a thing where it's another one of those very, very English movies, you know, by Peg. Yeah. Well, I mean, another, you know, another recent film that was supposed to be big here, and I mean, this could even weigh towards it, too. But, you know, like I just watched the uh, the latest Fantastic Beasts the other night um, okay. prior to yeah. the uh, the, re- the wrestling pay-per-view that was on. Um hmm. And I have to say, I was I was pretty disappointed with it, to be honest. You know, I enjoyed the first Fantastic Beasts movie. Um, you know, I'm a Harry Potter fan. I enjoyed all those movies. I enjoyed all the books. Um, the Ghoul right. Girl doesn't like Harry Potter. She was never a fan of it. She's never made it through any of the movies. Um, right. 
that being said, she watched the first Fantastic Beasts and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you didn't need to know all the backstory, you know, or whatever, because this takes place in the past. You didn't know, need to know everything about the fucking Harry Potter universe to get right. that story. It was its own contained little world that just happened to be the same world that Harry Potter's universe is in. Um, mm. The second movie was convoluted, had way too many plot points. They were stretching, trying to make connections to things that, you know, kind of allude towards the Harry Potter world. It felt like somebody, like, got in to the studio's ear and was like, well, hey, I know that Fantastic Beast movie was really good, but you know, you should really put in more things that kind of kind of throw like little eggs at the, the Harry Potter fans out there. And you know what? It made it a mess. Um, and I know after watching the movie and looking up reviews and stuff like that for it, I'm not the only person that felt that way. A lot of people felt that way, and the, bo- and the box office reflected it. It made money, but it's the lowest amount of money ever made for any film in the Harry Potter series. And I would think that Johnny Depp would be the main carrier of that film, just having his name attached. When main Barely guy. in it. Barely Isn't that in right? it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The trailer's been, it seemed like he was in the entire fucking movie. Oh, yeah. No, he's definitely the main antagonist, but uh, he, uh, yeah, he pops up, disappears for a while, disappears for a large chunk of the movie, only to finally, like, turn up again at the end of the film. Yeah. That's disappointing. Because I felt like that was going to be the main selling point of that Fantastic Beast sequel, was that Johnny Depp was playing the villain in that. And I thought that's probably why a lot of people wanted to go see it. Because I thought his character looked cool. I mean, I know nothing about it. But I was like, oh, he's kind of playing David Bowie. You know, so supposedly she turned around and is like, yeah, this is now going to be a five-film series. Wow. So okay. supposedly she is using that this movie as a means to lay groundwork for all the other three films that are going to follow it, which, I don't know, I, I just feel like she made it too messy. Mm. She's writing screenplays and whatever. Yeah. So, well, just um, one, do you have so, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was just going to ask. Um, so Rowling actually wrote the screenplay for these two, the first two movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's she's got her hands in the writing for it and, uh, you know, specifically wrote these for that purpose. You know, these were made to be movies, not books. So. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, as an aside, uh, I posted it on the Facebook page this past weekend, but I actually got a chance to see Happy Death Day to You, which is a sequel to Happy Death Day. Um, and I really enjoyed it because, like I had said, if you like the first one, because of the fact that it's kind of like a Groundhog Day horror version, the sequel is like Back to the Future Part 2 meets Real Genius meets the slasher film. Like, it is fantastic. And the fact that it's PG-13, do not let that distract you because it is still fun. It's, there's still some blood, but at the same time, it keeps you laughing and keeps you entertained. Because um, we have talked about in the show many times about PG-13 horror. And yeah. I'm not always an advocate for it, but in the case of Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you, I think PG-13 is the perfect place for that series. And they're planning a third one, which I'm looking forward to, because they set it up pretty well in Happy Death Day to you for it to be a trilogy. Well, I don't think it's so much about the rating that gets to us. It's 
you know, because the ghoul and I, I think, you know, talk a lot about this, about how they just really water down the writing when they do the PG-13 and just try to actually go away from genuine scares and just make, yeah. it, make it all sound stings instead of actually just trying to give you a good, solid scare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think that you always need to have uh, excessive gore and violence and nudity to make a good movie. Sometimes you could have a movie like Happy Death Day and the sequel, and it could be fun. Like, it could be a good time. I know the ghouls saw Happy Death Day, uh, so I'm definitely hoping you check that mm-hmm. sequel because it is a, a fun ride. You know, you forget at times that it's a PG-13 movie. I know I did watching it. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot this is a PG-13 movie. Like, they had some blood in there. Mm-hmm. You know, they had some good moments. Hey, listen, you know, I uh... – as far as the, the ratings and whatnot go, I, I don't need blood if the story is good, if it's well told and, and is entertaining, and that's what I found with the first film. Um, I totally intend to see the, the sequel. I just have not gotten to the theater for, for anything. Um, still haven't seen Aquaman, yeah. still haven't seen the, a number of things that I meant to get to the movie theaters to see. And that's why I try to keep my review as spoiler-free as possible. But, yeah, if you want a good time with a, a horror version of Back to the Future Part 2 meets Real Genius, then, yeah, you're going to have a good time seeing Happy Death Day to you. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's great. Um, and I know that the novelizations are out for Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you, so I want to pick those up, too, uh, whenever I get a chance to go to the local bookstore uh, because they're available now as a double feature, like I said last week, where you can get both novelizations in one. And I'm a huge fan of novelizations when it comes to movies. So I'll be picking that up. But to transition away from Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you, I want to talk about the Banana Split. Do you guys remember that old show? La, 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 la. One banana, two banana, three banana, four. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently now the Banana Split, the Sid and Marty Croft production from the late 60s and early 70s, is being made into a horror film. That's going to be released on Sci-Fi, Talking Terror's favorite channel. Oh, man. It's being made into a horror film. You know what, dude? Now you've ruined it. Forget it. I had hopes. (laughs) I I know you did. I know you had high hopes. But apparently, yes, now the Banana Splits is going to be made into a horror film on Sci-Fi, where it's going to be the classic 60s and 70s TV show mixed with horror a Sid and Marty Croft. So, do you guys think that's a fun idea? Because me, I'm in. I kind of think that's fun. Because some freaky fucking shit happening with Sid and Marty Croft. Man, but you're also younger than us. I mean, and I hate to say this, but it's like, you know, back in the late 70s when this shit was coming out, man, it was like, you know, it, it was weird shit, man, but that's also the only stuff we had, you know, because you want to sit there and take the other shows, like, um, you know, Wonderbug or um, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, uh, even Shazam. It was a lot of weird, trippy shit, man. And for all, the way our brains were working back then, it's like it went right along with it. Hmm. I mean, I know you you're thinking? only a couple years. I know you're only a couple years older than me, Monkey. But um, I think maybe the one thing that I didn't have that you guys all had was cable. 
um, and not having cable, I wasn't really privy to a lot of these shows in particular. Um, so some of these I didn't come across until I was older. And, you know, yeah, a lot of them are kind of creepy, you know. Um, but that also was kind of part of the thing back then. Like, I've got a picture of me with my aunt. I, I don't know what age I was. Maybe I was two, three, something like that with the fucking Easter Bunny. And I swear to God, it looks like a fucking serial killer, man. There's no bones about it. It looks like something that is out of somebody's friggin' nightmare. Um, I could totally see where somebody looks at, you know, something like the banana splits and some of the, the psychedelia that's going on in it and see that kind of, of thing in there. Um, regardless of when something is made, you got to remember a person's mindset, whoever's creating it, they're putting a piece of them into it at the time. So depending on where these guys' minds were at during those times and what they might have been on during those times, very much would have an influence on what product got put out there. Um, that being said, I was excited when I saw this. I was like, this would be great. Why not? You make it this kind of twisted world of the banana splits, man. It, it, no, now it's on sci-fi. I mean, that's just, that's a killer for me because I just, anything they put out is just such dreck and, no, well, they got the magicians. I give them that. That show was kind of entertaining. That 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 show is fun. I will admit, I really enjoyed the first two seasons of the magician. But you know, going into the going into the truthful world of Sid and Marty Croft, this is just you know uh, again seventies. You had Sid and Marty Croft doing all these shows on the on the side. They were also the ones who created the fucked up world of Ronald McDonald. And all yeah, of the did. stuff that went on there. So, you know, the price was that a show? The fucked German. up world of Ronald McDonald? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was. It was. It was. It was late night on cable. That's why you didn't see it. Mm. <laughs> see? <laughs> but yeah, that's I mean, the what other I things do to... you? Go ahead, Mike. Uh, go ahead, Google. I was, I was going to say, what things do you guys remember besides, yeah. obviously, like the banana splits that was, like, creepy? But, you know, it wasn't really designed or meant to be done that way. You know, obviously, this was, was put out as a kid's show. This was supposed to be kids' entertainment. So I don't think when they, they the studios looked at this, they weren't looking at it saying, oh, my God, this is some scary shit. We're going to fuck kids' brains up with this. <laughs> they were thinking, oh, these kids, these kids are going to watch this stuff, and they're really going to love it, you know? But, like, you know, like, I, I remember little things, but I think some of the things that I remember as being unintentionally creepy kind of were meant to be. Like, specifically, mm-hmm. I remember some of the characters from The Dark Crystal kind of being creepy. But right. Jim Henson did that kind of stuff. He did that with, like, mm-hmm. Labyrinth and things like that as well. Um, but, like, you know, as an example that I can use, the ghoul girl. She thought Cookie Monster was fucking creepy from Sesame Street. What? What? <laughs> she was adorable. <clears throat> she just wanted to eat cookies. <laughs> <laughs> he was just a dude that had the munchies all the time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he want cookies. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. That's all he wanted. Uh, but that's a great point that you brought up, uh, Gold, because I was going to bring that up myself. Uh, Mucky, before I get into what I have, is there anything that you saw as a kid that wasn't intentionally scary, but you thought, oh, fuck, that's nightmare fuel. Not sleeping at night. Um, for me, it wasn't so much movies, but it was the toys that were coming out for girls in the 80s, all right? Because, you um, you know, while we had He-Man, G.I. Joe, uh, Transformers, Robotech, you know, all, all of this kick-ass shit, the girls 
they were still trying to keep the doll market alive. And you had mm-hmm. some fucked up shit going on. Like, um, you had the one doll that if you uh, fucked with it, its hair would grow. You know, you were supposed to cut it and the hair would grow back. Um, you had the doll that, but the, you know, and you had these all these other ones. But the one that really, really freaked me out was they had one that you were supposed to actually feed it baby food. It mm-hmm. had a mechan- it had a mechanical mouth, and it would shit. You know, I and, saw that one. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and you had to like it was shitting it, like, Yeah, <laughs> but um, and you had to clean it out with hot water every once in a while, or because all this fungus and germs would build up inside it because of the food that you were feeding it. But then it freaked me out even more so when they recalled the doll because. It was accidentally eating kids' hair. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, oh, it, it had a moving it had, mouse. And, yeah, yeah, and it had and it had these kind of jaws that would like you know these rotors in its mouth that would bring the food down and then through the tract, you know, tract to its ass, and it would <laughs> eat kids' hair every once in a while. And <laughs> every once in a while, occasionally. <laughs> now listen, yeah. you know, you know that this obviously had to have happened. But, you know, you got to wonder, how sick is the dude that shoved his dick in that chewing doll's mouth? Because you know out there somebody did it. (laughs) You know what happened twice. Well, that was the inspiration for those, like, you know, $10,000 sex dolls that you get from Japan now. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, for me, uh, like we had talked about with Sid and Marty Croft, I used to get freaked the fuck out by... H.R. Puffin stuff back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, it would play on Nick at Night back in the day, you know, before I went to bed. And I was like, what is this fucking nightmare fuel? This fucking gigantic, <laughs> weird fucking monster. And there's a fucking talking flute. And there's a fucking kid going, yay. I'm like, no. I'd be fucking terrified. Fucking, I'm walking in a psychedelic world of fucking Sid and Marty Croft. Terrified. Like, <laughs> so many nightmares when I was a kid. Of HR Puffin stuff. I'm like, that is not a friendly fucking monster. He wants to eat my soul. Like, I, I don't like it. Um, that was one of them. Um, but do you guys remember back in the day on Sesame Street, there was a character named Nobody that had rubber band eyes and rubber band mouth that taught you uh, how to no. speak the pen? Vaguely. No. Vaguely. I, I, rem- yes. I remember Captain Lou Albano. Is that figured? <laughs> No, I'm talking about the character of Nobody that was on Sesame Street. He was made of two rubber band eyes and rubber band mouth, and he taught you how to uh, reach 10. So they'd be like, hello, and let's reach to 10. One, yes. two. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. They had yep. a black background screen yes. and just the rubber bands. Yep. Oh, my God. Yes, that was fucking creepy. Good call. <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. Oh, I blocked that yeah. out, dude. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I was well, thinking about that. But then also on Sesame Street, you had those two people that had the toilet paper roll eyes, and they would wind the toilet paper rolls off of each other's faces. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember that distinctly. That and nobody. I was uh, like, this is fucking nightmare fuel. Why the fuck is this on a kid's show? <laughs> I had so many nightmares about counting to 10 when I was a kid. I don't want to learn how to count to 10. <laughs> like, this is fucking bad news. 
that and um, you can't do that on television. I don't know if what? you guys remember that show, okay. Nickelodeon. Yes. How, how can you get freaked out over you can't do that on television? All I remember oh, on that what? show was slime, and I didn't get to ever watch it. The only thing I ever got to see with that was, like, when I'd see it in the TV guide or something, I'd be like, oh, you know, so-and-so, Soleil Moonfry, oh, Punky Brewster was on the show. Oh, she got slimed. Oh, I wish I had cable. Yeah, yeah you didn't have cable. Because you had to, your host, Moose, you had Lisa the Mouth, uh, you had Kevin Ayanovic, Rasputin Kubicheski, because the, the cast was all super Canadian. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to tell me that fucking Barth, the fucking guy that cooked the hamburgers for the little kids, didn't fucking give you nightmares? They gave me nightmares. <laughs> this is the guy that was putting fucking poison in their fucking food. <laughs> that, well, that, that, was just, that was just Canadian diners back in the day. <laughs> Maybe it was. But plus, they also had the executioner that was always excited to kill kids for some reason. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this, well, this show was written by kids and produced by kids and made for the kids. And, you know, yeah, we always had that kind of stuff. It was weird. It was edgy. You know, hell, man, like like only two months ago or something like that, Dave and I went on this, like, big-ass, you know, binge of watching a whole bunch of old school you can't do this on television yeah I've rewatched it too and I'm like I'm still terrified <laughs> I'm still scared of some of these fucking characters on the show um, no, what you why get was ter- it allowed but what you should get terrified about is this is also the time when Alana Morissette was on you can't do that on television and she was hooking up with Dave Coulier because he had his own Nickelodeon television as well wasn't she like twelve at the time? Like way too yeah. young to be hooking up with Dave Coulier? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 She's I did actually think about something. All right. So this this is this is a big stretch, man. I don't know if you guys will remember and I don't even remember what the name of the company was. There was a company that had a television commercial. Back in mm. the 80s, and one of the things in the commercial, it was like a, a bed company or a furniture company, and they had this bed with like a big mouth behind it, and the mouth would smile, and that was one of the creepiest fucking things I remember. Like, it gave me nightmares as a kid. Like, I just pictured, like, somebody sleeping with this gigantic mouth behind them, and the mouth mm-hmm. was deciding, like, hey, I'm fucking hungry. I'm going to eat these fucking people. I remember that. Holy shit, I remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing that and going, what the fuck is this? How is this allowed on television right now? But yeah, I remember that one. And Ghoul, I know that you're, you know, East Coast like I am, Tri-State area, New Jersey, New York. Do you remember the fucking commercial that they had for the anti-PSA for cocaine with the woman snorting up the fucking TV and the fucking car and the boat. And all of a sudden, the fucking. <laughs> Do you remember that one? With the tear rolling Vaguely. down her face? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, there were all kinds what of anti drug commercials over here in the 80s, man, that were just <laughs> weird. There were so many of them. But the one with the cocaine always stuck with me because I'm like, why is she snorting a fucking TV in her nose? Why is she sticking up a, a TV? You know, and all of a sudden she's crying, and I'm like, God damn, I don't ever want to do cocaine. <laughs> shit, that's going to cost you. 
I do cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Or the one PSA with the, the father standing by the grave, because apparently his daughter smoked pot once and she's dead. <laughs> mm. Just once. That's like, damn. 80s and 90s PSAs were the best. <laughs> you know, can't make them anymore like that. Oh, I mean, we had those, and we had the after-school specials, man. You know, those were uh, those were just so fantastic. Oh, like the one with Helen Hunt, where she jumped out of a window. Mm. That was that the one where she was yeah. a teacher. No, you're thinking about the Pam was smart uh, movie, where she wanted to have one of the students kill her husband. No, the after-school special is where she got addicted to drugs and jumped out of a window. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, child rape, child porn, child this, child that. I don't know. It, it was it was there to like interfere with like your 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 regularly scheduled afternoon programming so that your mom could watch it and then yell at you for like the next two or three hours to tell you about all the dangers <laughs> of everything that's out there in the world that you shouldn't be a part of. <laughs> that was like HBO when they had their life stories, Families in Crisis series. Mm-hmm. Where they had the one episode of Ben Affleck getting addicted to fucking steroids. <laughs> I'm <gonna hit> him. <laughs> no, we we all know he's really just addicted to strippers. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, life story, Families in Crisis is always my favorite when I was a kid. I was like, who fucking believes this shit? Fucking <laughs> Yeah, the whole fucking story. And then at the end, he's like, hey, I'm the guy that was just in that story. Shit's real. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that was a real story then. Yeah. I don't know. Was also... there... Oh, go ahead, go. No, I was going to say, wasn't there a theme park for Sid and Marty Croft stuff? Yes, it was based out of Atlanta. It was in, in Atlanta, and it is what is now the CNN building. And oh, it, yeah, Thank and you. it was an entire it was an entire indoor park. Like the entire park was indoors. Uh, it was you know bo- boasted to have the world's largest escalator. Had these funky ass rides where you were supposed to be inside a pinball machine because again it was the seventies, you know. <laughs> and you had this. Uh, it, it was weird, man. It's like you had. It was all inside a giant skyscraper in Atlanta in the 70s. And I'm sorry, I didn't even know skyscrapers existed in the 70s in Atlanta. Um, but it was a city, man. I know. (laughs) Why wouldn't skyscrapers exist? Uh, I'm just saying because I, I didn't realize that Atlanta was that big back then. Like, you know, I only knew that it started popping up, like, in the 80s. Didn't even realize it was as big as it was in the 70s. But you had this giant tower of skyscraper and an in tower, (laughs) giant tower. And and inside the tower, you had the hotel, you had the theme park. You know, all of it was inside the skyscraper. It was really weird. Yeah, because that's where I'd want to go as a kid to fucking have nightmares the entire fucking week at Men in Atlanta to go to the Sid and Marty Croft playground. So just pictures of me crying with fucking HR Puffin stuff trying to hug me. Get the fuck away from me, man. Listen, well, here in Jersey, we've got the land of make-believe, you know, and that was 
Like, I just remember seeing the commercials for that as a kid and being like, yeah, All the time. no. Yep. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. But don't forget, you guys also had Action Park. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah, was more I, I never, I never made it to, I never made it to either of those while they were in their, uh, in their heyday. Um, never made it to Action Park at all, nor ever made it to the, uh, to whatever it is now. Uh, I forget what the name of the place is. Um, but uh, I know I've been by the land of make believe. I've actually like drove mm. past and seen it but never actually have gone into it. Um, you know, again, growing up in Brooklyn, we had like Nellie Bly and obviously Coney Island and stuff like that, which was creepy in its own right. So <laughs> it was creepy on another level. Most, mostly for all the wrong reasons. And normally it was more about the people that were there than it was, you know, anything else. Well, and you know, to the ghost point, when I was a kid growing up in Jersey, we had Kingsburg, which is a whole fucking mm-hmm. other adventure. It's like, yeah, you can go to Point Pleasant or Wildwood, but let's go to fucking Kingsburg where there's fucking junkies all around the fucking boardwalk. And there's a haunted house. I remember they took us to Kingsburg back in, um, you know, back when I was with summer camp in Staten mm-hmm. Island, and that was the first time I was ever there, you know. And again, growing up in New York, there were, you know, small, like, amusement parks and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, Kingsburg was definitely was something else, man. But the big thing that, that was different for that was that, unlike in New York, they had a water park. So that was like, boom, man. You know, I know, hey, look, Kingsburg, as far as, like, the uh, the park and everything goes, they spent millions of dollars renovating oh, yeah. that place. It's beautiful now. Now it is, yeah. But back when we were kids, like, that was not a place that you wanted to be. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I was like, do I trust these rides? I was like, the seats are broken. <laughs> nah, just go with the kids. <laughs> That's what you want to think it was fun. That's what the haunted house That's what made it exciting. Stetifying. <laughs> yeah, that was the place where your parents dumped you off at the bar so they can go drink and you can eat hot dogs. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I remember from Kingsburg. My parents get me and our beers and me sitting in a bar eating ham- you know, hamburgers and hot dogs. And I was like, this is fun. I don't want to go on the boardwalk, but this is fun. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, it's like the goal. It's much better now. So if you're in that area, definitely, you know, revitalized Kingsburg from what it was back in the late 80s, early 90s from when I was there. Um, but one of the other things I wanted to talk about is it broke earlier online that there's going to be a biopic of Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan's going to be played dun, by Thor himself. Dun, 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 dun. It comes crashing down and it hurts inside. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth playing Hulk Hogan in a biopic. I don't know what you guys think. I kind of like that pick. I just can't imagine him being Hulk Hogan, you know, saying, let me tell you something, brother. Uh, yeah, I, like, can, I don't know. Can he break that accent? Because I've seen him in interviews, and that accent that he uses for Thor is real. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's his voice. Yeah. How, how the fuck is he going to do a Hulk Hogan accent? I just don't see it happening. Unless he's going to do it all in Asgardian tone. <laughs> well, let me well, tell you the Ask, Asgardian is actually uh, The Asgardian is almost more of a, an English accent, and he's actually Australian. Um, yeah. So... 
even that's a, a bit of a slight. Now I've heard him. I've heard him speak with, you know, I guess the quote unquote American sound. Um, was that Red Dawn? I think, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie, man. I'm good, thanks. Better off. I think the physical. I mean, obviously, listen, man. You know, as a, as a kid growing up in the '80s, a kid growing up as a wrestling Both fan in the up. '80s, but. He, even if you weren't a wrestling fan, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to not know hulk fucking mania man Hulk Hogan yeah. was gigantic, and I don't just mean physically. He was yeah. everywhere. You couldn't fart and not fucking see something to do with, like, Hulk Hogan somewhere. They were selling his shit. They were pushing him on everything. He had TV shows. He was going to be in movies. He had a whole fucking movie. No holds barred. Um, (laughs) You know, there were cartoons. There was rock and wrestling. He was on MTV. You name it. He was there. Um, Yeah. You know, so so to to have Chris Hemsworth trying to portray this guy that was so larger than life, I just, yep. you know, I hate to say it, I just feel like it's going to be hard pressed for any film to really be able to capture what Hulk Hogan was to the '80s. You know, like that's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the difficulty is going to lie. Not that Chris Hemsworth can't do it. I don't think anybody could do it. I don't even think a, a no. filmmaker is going to be able to actually really capture it right. I think, you know, the whole thing with Paige, Paige's backstory and all that stuff being that, uh, obviously, like, that's going to have whatever modicum of success it's going to have. It's also because she was lower key. You're not talking about mm-hmm. somebody that was some huge megastar and trying to kind of, like, re-show us that. So I, I don't know. I don't know if he can do it. I'd love to see who the supporting cast is going to be, though. Like, what, what other wrestlers are they going to put out? Like, I know we were throwing out our little fantasy casts for it, and it's all fun and games, but, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, what was the game about who should play Marty Jannetty and HB, uh, HBK? Is they were going to make a Hulk Hogan movie? Uh, well, I mean, I initially had said as a joke because of the Avengers and whatnot. I was saying Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. But I think Robert Downey Jr. as Rick Rude, definitely, he can do that attitude. He can, you know, the only thing he can't do is not going to be able to get that physique. No, no, no. Never going to be able to get that physique that Rick Rude had. But I like what you were thinking with, with Marty Jannetty and HBK. But, you know, I don't know how far they're going to go with it. You know, because the details are so early about this uh, biopic about Hulk Hogan. So it's probably going to be the early years. But, yeah, I'm kind of in the same camp with you, Ghoul. I don't know if I really want to see it because Hulk is such a larger-than-life character. And as much as I like Chris Hemsworth, I just don't know how much he's going to be able to bring to the table to bring Hulkamania to the fucking silver screen. Uh, Monkey, what do you think? Um, Yeah, it's like... Uh... Because I grew up in the 80s, you know, same time as the goal. You know, I'm literally two two years older than him. Um, and I was not a wrestling fan. But I did, you know, I didn't watch WWF back then. But I definitely watched rock and roll racing. I mean, rock, rock and roll wrestling. You know, I would watch that every Saturday morning, you know. And, yeah, you know, even if you weren't a wrestling fan, he was everywhere. You know, he was one of those iconic things of the 80s. Like, you know, Bigfoot or the Rubik's Cube. You know, he... You know, he he was an essential <laughs> part of the eighties. Did you say Bigfoot? Like the yeah. cryptid or the fucking monster truck? The, the monster, monster truck. truck. I was gonna say Bigfoot. You know, I was gonna say the cryptid's been around a long time. I was hoping you were talking about the monster truck. 
Yeah, no, yeah. No, you no. Know. I, I knew exactly what he meant when he said Bigfoot, man. Again, as a kid of the eighties, yeah, Big Bigfoot was everywhere, dude. Grave digger was Don't like late eighties, early nineties, man. You know, Bigfoot yeah. was everything, dude. Bigfoot had his own fucking cartoon, man. He had a fucking <laughs> yeah, cartoon yeah. about a monster truck. Yeah, seriously, there was a Saturday morning cartoon about Bigfoot. <laughs> Because it was the first monster truck. It, you know, it, it was the one that started it. But, yeah, it, like the ghoul said, is being able to encapsulate all of that, but then to try and do a biopic and capture Hulkamania at its peak and, you know, what a fever it was because, again, I did not watch wrestling, you know, except every once in a while when they would have the Saturday night stuff. But um, Saturday night main event, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but, but you know. It's the only like time you ever got to see real wrestlers fight real wrestlers because, you know, what you got on, like, Saturday mornings was fucking WWE superstars where it was. Oh, superstars? You know, yeah. it, it was all your B-rate wrestlers fighting, like, yep. E-list fucking guys. It was jobbers <laughs> for, like, an hour. Yeah, and I, I just don't think they're going to be able to nail it, but, you know, I wanted to ask you guys, do you guys think that Hemsworth can pull off the role, or is there someone else that you guys would want to cast instead of Hemsworth? Someone that you think I can't would pull think it of off better. Personally, I mean, I just I can't. Like you know, when I think about Hulk Hogan, I think of Hulk Hogan. Like he was the larger mm-hmm. character, and he still is. I just can't see anybody playing him in a biopic. I mean, I don't know what the ghoul thinks, but that's just where I am. I think it's one of those where, like you know, like. I know they're trying to go with the star power with Hemsworth, but at the same time, it, you know what I also think, and it's, and it's weird, you know, maybe I, cause I've never read any of Hogan's biographies or anything like that, but like, I guess because of my, my vision of Hulk Hogan in the 80s, you know, again, I think pure 80s when I think of Hulk Hogan. I think of Hulk Hogan, you know, pretty much everything that we know about Hulk Hogan is what we've seen on, you know, on wrestling. You know, if they're not going through the scandals and all the shit that happened later in his life, then, you know, like, I just feel like there's other guys from that era who might not be as as larger than life as Hulk Hogan was in the 80s, but who had more interesting lives, or stories to tell like that would deserve a biopic, you know, or whether it be Piper, whether it be Flair, you know what I mean? Like yeah. guys like that who, you know, didn't get that spotlight like Hulk Hogan did. You know, Hogan had, he had a biopic. It was called the 19 fucking eighties, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, so, so like, I look at a guy like Flair, who you're talking about, a guy who survived a fucking plane crash, you know, like, and yeah, they've done yep. 30s for 30 on him, and they've done this, they've done, you know, all this shit like WWE puts out, and, you know, I'm sure other people have, but, like, a true-to-form nature boy biopic like that, I'd yep. be like, wow, you know what, I am ready to go to the fucking theater now, sign me up, I'll buy my ticket, mm-hmm. um... As far as Hogan goes, though, it's like, I don't know. I mean, what are they going to show? They're going to show us him breaking into wrestling? Okay. He was a bad guy. Then they decided to make him that good guy. And they put him up against the the perfect villain character. 
you know, because we were in the middle of the, the whole shit going on over there in Iran and everything, and the whole Middle East was ready to fucking explode. And they gave us the Iron Sheik for a couple of months by having him beat the All-American fucking Bob Backlund. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, how do you blow up Hulk Hogan? You have this guy coming in fucking, you know, waving the American flag around, and he's taking on that Iranian bastard, and... Boom, you give him the belt on a fucking MSG show, and this guy fucking just launched into the stratosphere. Like, it was out of nowhere, man. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, like you had said, Ghoul, Ric Flair, I'd love to see that movie get made. I'd love to see a Roddy Piper movie get made. There's so many people that I feel deserve a movie other than Hulk Hogan. Because, like you had said, he already had it done. And you can see the highlight reel in real life in the 80s. Same thing I feel about Macho Man. Like I would like it, but at the same time, you have so much about the Macho Man in real life that you don't need a biopic of that particular which, guy. Which again, like I said, I've never read any of his biographies. You know, for all I know, he's got some crazy, interesting stories, man. Um, you know, like I've read Mick's books. You know, and I know Mick's got all kinds yeah. of crazy stories. So being that Hogan is from, you know, literally the decade before it. You know, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, can Hemsworth do it? I don't know. Because it's Hulk Hogan, man. And like the King said, I can't see anybody as Hulk Hogan except for Hulk nope. Hogan. So yeah. that makes it difficult right there. Because like even when I see that old wrinkly fucking up in the ring now, I'm still like, <laughs> yeah. yes, that's Hulk Hogan. I'm still waiting for him to fucking hit somebody with the boot, drop the big leg, <laughs> yeah. get that fucking three count, take the title and go. <laughs> you know, put his fucking hand up to his ear and be like, oh yeah, Hulkamania, for a while. That's it. You know? Body slam, some flexes, rip off a shirt, let's do it, dude. And I find it just as believable now as I found it back in the 80s, man. Just yep. like when he came back and he fought The Rock in like 2000 or whatever it was. And yeah, you know, oh, yeah. here's Hulk Hogan. He's well past his prime, and here he is going up <laughs> yeah. against The Rock. The Rock in his prime match, you know, a, a fantastic match for those two guys. It was so much fun, you know. And I went into that with mm-hmm. arms crossed, and like that match ended, and I was like, this was fun fucking awesome, and it surprised the shit out of me. It, 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 that was one of my favorite matches. That was Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus The Rock at WrestleMania. It was fantastic. Um, but you brought up Mick Foley. That is a fucking guy I would love to see a biopic made of because he mm-hmm. had a long fucking life from going from independent wrestler to the Japanese wrestling where they had the TNT matches with Terry Funk and the barbed wire mm-hmm. matches all the way to the WWE. He lost his ear in Germany. I was like, that's the fucking guy who deserves a movie. I, was like, I don't know about Hulk Hogan. You know, it's really fun, but, you know, but, but it's don't highlight real on the WWE Network. Don't let Mick Foley produce it because he'll try and do it for, like, only a buck and some change, as cheap as he is. <laughs> <laughs> and his daughter will have to star in it somewhere, you know? <laughs> him and Kevin Smith. Uh, him and Kevin Smith should get together, and they should just pair their daughters up in a movie. You know, <laughs> I know. Just have a, a tag team movie like that. Make a No Holds Bar movie with just those two. <laughs> Noel and Harley Quinn. You know. Yeah, and Noel with her <laughs> new band that she has now. Uh, saw her video on YouTube. Apparently, she's in a rock band now, and Kevin Smith really agrees that it's going to be awesome. I was like, oh, nope. I watched it. I was like, no, thanks. Not my style, Kevin, but thanks for recommending it. Can't wait. Um, 
But the one last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the movie tonight was uh, we had talked about it not that long ago. The CW is going to be making a Lost Boys series. Uh, it's going to be coming out pretty soon. They greenlit the pilot. They're casting it currently. But the big news is that they're going to be gender swapping. And by gender swapping, I mean they're not going to make the Frog Brothers be brothers anymore. Now they're going to be sisters. So it's going to be two girls as the Frog Sisters. To me, I don't really care. Like, it's not a big deal for me that they're gender swapping. Like, it doesn't affect me any way. I'm not like, fuck that. No, it doesn't matter. But to some people, it does. Some people are like, you got to keep it classic. you got to keep it Frog Brothers. Um, so I wanted to get your guys' perspective because to me, it's like Ghostbusters all over again from 2016 where it's like, fuck that. All-female cast, no thank you. Like, but it doesn't really matter, does it? If the writing is good and if it makes sense, you can do it. I just I don't really care that much. So I wanted to get what you guys thought. Go ahead, Google. I mean, listen, you know, again, similar to like what you just said. If the writing's good and everything is, is put together well, then it should be fine. It doesn't matter to me yeah. whether they're two boys, two girls, one boy, one girl, you know, one that wants to say I'm a man when it's a man. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's a, that, that doesn't matter. Uh, the fact that they're making a Lost Boys show, that is more of like, eh, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, get, I, I mean, if they want to get, you know, obviously they, the CW as it is attracts a lot of female audience. So mm-hmm. if you're going to put up a show like that, you need to give them female protagonists that they can get behind which I thoroughly agree with, you know, so it's mm-hmm. either you're going to make an original character and, and shoehorn it in somewhere, or you take two characters that are already established and you just like they're doing, they're flipping it. Um, it makes sense. You know, you, you need that in there. If you really think about it, you know, think about the Lost Boys. You really didn't have any strong females in there. You had the mother, you had Star, Star. and yeah. that was really it, you know, and and the kid. I can't even remember. Was the kid a boy or a girl? I think it was a boy that looked like a girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought. So, you know, I'm fine with that. You know, the, the dynamic should be fun as long as it doesn't have to – as long as it's not getting rammed down your throat and they're still true to the actual characters, then, then we're good, you know? Or make them twisted. Mm-hmm. Make them like – you know what? Yeah. Listen, make them like the fucking Sasuke sisters, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, make them really fucked up in the head doing all kinds of crazy Hell geeky yeah. shit. Now I'm down, man. Now you got me. <laughs> yeah. If they made them like Jen and Sylvia Sasuke, I'd be fucking on board so hard. <laughs> make this happen. Because um, to me, like I had said, it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal for me. I was surprised by how many people were like, fuck this, no way. It's the Frog Brothers. I'm like, no, it's okay, though. Not my Frog Brothers. You can brothers. gender swap. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's fine. You know, it's not going to make a big difference. If you don't want to watch it, you don't have to watch it. It's not a big deal. Um, but, Monkey, where do you weigh in? Well, while on the flip side, though, we – because we've gotten responses on our Facebook page um, yeah. th- that, you know, we're seeing both sides of the argument where, you know, people are saying not my frog brothers, while on the flip side we're seeing lots of female listeners that are also saying, you know, girl power, you know, yay, you know, we need more girls yeah. and stuff. And, you know, I- again, though, I- I'm just, you know, like all of you, you know, like you two guys, I, I just don't get it, man. It's like I, I don't see wh- why it should matter. What should matter is the story, you know, and yeah. who who gives a crap if it's a boy or a girl? Um, it, 
But if they wanted to sit there and go with more women in the cast, then I think they should have gone with what you were telling me, Ghoul, I mean, uh, King, about one of the uh, movie ideas that they had for one of the other Lost Boy movies, where they were going to completely, yeah, where they're going to completely flip the script. Mm-hmm. Where girl vampires. Yeah, and yeah, but that's uh, like what they did with the Ghostbusters. You know what I mean? And look where that ended up. Again, though, I don't think that the fact that they had a female Ghostbusters is a problem. I thought it was just a fucking poor script. Oh no, it was just just bad writing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Yeah, and that was the problem with you know, like we talked about many, many times about that movie was we didn't give a crap that it was a all female cast. What we cared about was that it was a crappy movie. And it was a yeah. movie that we were really excited about. And me, I'm not really excited about this, but if they're going to go ahead and do it and they're going to go ahead and carry on with this project, you know, I just hope they delve in and give it a decent writing. But that being said, I know how CW works, and it's going to be starts off fighting little vampires, then the vampires are going to get bigger and bigger and more and more powerful, you know, to a point you're fighting gods and this and that, because that's exactly what they... Did with Vampire Diaries. It's what they did uh, with Supernatural. You know, is in my I call it the Dragon Ball Z treatment. All right, is when well, you introduce introduce small characters and small villains to the point where the villain is just getting so outrageous that the believability of the story is just completely out the window. Well, that being said, by bringing up Vampire Diaries and stuff like that, I wouldn't mind if, you know, again, being that The Lost Boys takes place on the West Coast and the Vampire Diaries, Legacies, all of that series all takes place on the East Coast in the Virginia area, you know, maybe at some point an intermingling of these worlds, you know, let it actually be a shared universe. That I can find fun, you know, where then at some point you can bring in, let's say, a uh, um, Hope... Michelson or whatever, uh, you know, Klaus's daughter and, and whatnot from, from that show and put them, put her over there. So now you have, you know, like a tri-breed and stuff like that going on. I think that could be a, a little bit of a fun thing to do with that kind of series. That would be interesting. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, that could be a fun crossover. Um, but like I had said, it just, it's not a big deal. And I kind of wish people would stop making a big deal out of gender swaps. Like, it's not a problem. Like, it's just the writing is what counts. If the writing is there, you're going to have a good movie. You're going to have a good TV series. If the writing isn't yeah. there, it's going to suck. And it doesn't matter if it's male or female. Like, I was looking forward to Ghostbusters, even though it was a female cast. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, yeah, it's not great. Like, the writing isn't there. It just seems too rushed. And I was like, well, that's a shame. But it wasn't the fact that it was female, and I think that's what it comes down to, is that a lot of people tend to think that you're a misogynist because you didn't like a movie because it's all female. It's not the case. Um, especially with uh, Leslie Jones, who came out with the Ghostbusters reboot, who's saying, oh, you all didn't give a fuck about the Ghostbusters reboot that we did in 2016. Now you're all excited about this one because it was female. It's like, well, no, that's not it at all. It's just that it wasn't a good movie. Like it wasn't. I'm not all. Done well. I'm not all excited about this new one as I'm hearing more and more about it. With you know, with this whole kids cast, as again, it yeah, seems like they're yeah. jumping on board with this whole it craze and Stranger Things yeah. craze, and you know, trying to trying to take advantage of that. 
Um, you know, being that it looks like we're definitely getting four leads that are, you know, in the age range of like 12 to 15, um, yeah. which means what? Our Ghostbusters are just going to be background characters, which seems weird yeah. for a Ghostbusters movie, you know, which I would think should center around the Ghostbusters. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, I posted that article on our Facebook page about how the two main leads for the film are 12 and 13. So well, that's the, the second two. That's the, the second, second two leads. So there's okay. four leads total all within okay. that age range. These are, this is the second pair of young children that they're looking to get. So again, here we go. We got, you know, four kids. Hmm. What other right. popular show right now centers itself <laughs> yeah. around four mm-hmm. kids of that age range? Uh, I don't know, yeah. you know, something that just recently in its past season had a whole homage to the Ghostbusters in it. Uh, that Stranger Things <laughs> show, it's not popular or anything. It, it's, <laughs> it's stretching, man. It really is. It is. How far do you really got to go to emulate something else when you're sitting there talking about the fact that you're you're connecting to something that was an adult slash type of, uh, of comedy yeah. that was friendly yeah. for kids, you know? Yeah, it's just... It's just, if you're going to do this and sit there and just have, you know, new movie kids going around chasing monsters and ghosts and shit like that, just redo the Monster Squad. Make a new version of Monster Squad for people today. <laughs> Drop the Monster shit and just do Monster Squad. Yeah, I, I get that, too. But it's like, at the same time, the teaser, you know, showed you the barn, and it had the Ecto-1 in the barn, and it has a sheet over it. It's like, oh, shit, things are getting real. But now you're going to have Stranger Things meets Ghostbusters. So you're going to yeah. tell me that the fucking kids could build proton packs and they're going to fucking drive around in the Ecto-1 at 12 and 13? Like, ah, stop it. Stop. Chances, <laughs> chances are it's going to be at least one or two of them are going to be the uh, – my guess – would be that one or two of them are going to be one of the children or one of the the original Ghostbusters kids. Um, I don't think all four of them would be. I think that's a little bit too too basic of a story to go with. Um, But I would imagine at least two of them will likely be. Yeah. Again, he's going to... He's gonna have to you know, be there, maybe as one of the. He could be one of their fucking grandfathers if you really think yep. about it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're not yeah. even of age to be parents to these kids. <laughs> nope. So yeah, God. Well, that was the rumor that's been going around is that one of the kids is gonna be Egon Spengler's grandkids in the mm-hmm. film because he's not around anymore. You know, Harold Reynolds nope. died, so that's an easy way to get around that character is to have one of the characters in this new film be his grandkid. And they're the ones that are obsessed with the technology of ghost busting. And that's how you're going to get around it. Then you have Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and uh, Ernie Hudson show up to kind of mentor these kids. But it's a stretch either way. Yeah, but still, like you said, King, is like mentor is one thing, but then to build and repair and maintain Nuclear reactors on 12-year-old facts? <laughs> I know. They're going to make mini reactors. It's going to be kid-sized. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know. You know, but, but in this day and age, can we sit there and say something like that? Because, again, we all have to be extra careful with kids and can't let them touch things that, you know, could hurt them. You know, so we got to cover everything in foam padding and shit like that. Oh, I mean, sure. a kid might go out there 
and build himself a nuclear proton accelerator so that he can go out and actually, you know, try to, to bust some ghosts or, you know, maybe God forbid he'll go attack a school or something with that thing. You know, they really got to be careful with this tech. You know, kids are <laughs> smart with their iPhones and their iPads and all this stuff. Well, that was the line in Ghostbusters 2 when Bobby Brown had that cameo in Ghostbusters 2 where he's like, yeah, man, my brother loves you guys. Can I have one of your proton packs? And Dan Acker's like, yeah, it's pretty much not safe for kids. <laughs> <laughs> but here we you go. Know, but, <laughs> but going from little kids to little freaks, let's talk about the movie for tonight, Freaks from 1932. Monkey, you're up. Let's go. Okay, 1932, uh, again, um, as the diva was excited, pre-code horror movie, so, you know, nothing mandatory for this movie. Um, this this movie is a deeply controversial movie about a band of circus freaks and circus life and how one of the freaks, a little person, falls madly in love with the starring trapeze artist and how he wants to woo her and marry her and this and that and the odd things that happen in the world of living in the circus. All right? And that's pretty much all I'm going to sit here and tell you because I just wanted to get into this movie because I am very excited. <laughs> all right. Go. what do you think about Freaks? Listen, man, it's... I am always up when you got real things going on in a movie. Um, Mm -hmm. When you announced this one last week, I was excited. I know I've seen it before. I've seen it with the doc, Um, you know, back when we were doing one of our movie viewings. uh, You know, it's one that I've definitely seen images of throughout the years, just being, you know, a horror fan and a movie fan in general. Um, I don't really remember watching it with the doc. I know I did, but we were heavily under the influence of psychedelic drugs. Um, so <laughs> at time, I don't remember everything about it. It was just really strong pot, nothing too crazy. Um, but that being said, I mean, come on. They got real people that had these, these deformities and stuff. It makes it a very, very uncomfortable movie to watch that you can't stop watching you can't look away you know and that's what makes people like this so fascinating you know and uh, it, it is their it is their blessing and their curse because yeah. nothing more do they want than to just be normal people yet at the same time anything that they get throughout their life uh, you know all of the attention that they get throughout their life is because of this very same thing mm-hmm. <clears throat> King what did you think of the movie uh, I'm a big fan of Freaks. Um, back when I was younger, back when I was in high school, like freshman year, I had seen the movie. Um, and that was at a time when I wanted to be a carny. Like, I wanted to be a part of a traveling carnival. Like, I just, there was nothing more that I wanted to do than just be a part of a wagon crew and go town to town, earning money, and just hanging out with carnies and hanging out with sideshow people. That was my dream. Back early on in high school, so when I saw Freaks, I was like, "Yeah, I just I had no direction." Like you know, back in high school, everybody's like, "Well, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a gym coach, or whatever they wanted to be. I wanted to be a fucking carny. 
Like that was my dream. So to see freaks and to see how it was presented, and I was like, yeah, this is the lifestyle that I would want. You know, just it's its own world. And the fact that Todd Browning grew up in that same kind of world when he made freaks, um, it really helped because he didn't present the freaks as monsters. He presented them as normal fucking people. And that was the biggest thing is that he didn't try to make them seem like they were weird fucking people. They just had things that physically affected them. And he always presented it that way. Unfortunately, freaks kind of ended Todd Browning's career because he had come yeah, up with Dracula from 1931. <laughs> he did freaks in 1932. And they're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to make him be a director anymore. And it kind of ended his career, which is unfortunate because I thought that freaks was a great movie. Um, and I loved the way that it was all presented. Even Hans, you know, who looks like a fucking Gerber baby in a fucking tuxedo. Like, <laughs> he's an adult man, but yet he is, you know, uh, looks adorable. Like the entire movie. I'm like, oh, I just want to pitch a cheek. So they're a whole family of dwarves. The, yeah. uh, the doll family. Uh, his yeah. uh, his wife was his fiance. The, the first girl that he was with. Uh, she's actually his sister. That's right, yeah. Frida, yeah, was a sister in her life. Um, which, again, I felt like Hans is a fucking pip. He's got a fiancé, be it he wants to fuck this uh, trapeze artist, Cleopatra. I was like, damn, man. Like, he, was no, in, he was definitely no innocent in the film. Um, oh, no. You know, so... You know that that is one thing that you know maybe a little bit later when we're when we're in a little deeper I'll uh I'll lament about but as right yeah, now again we're, we're still not. at that that pre we're at the pre com right now. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I want to jump in real quick is just and I found out that MGM tapped Todd Browning to make this movie but they didn't tap him to make just this movie. What it was is. At the time, Frankenstein had just come out. It was huge. It was all over the mm-hmm. place. You know, and they went back to Todd Browning, who had directed Dracula, and we were like, we want you to just make something, anything. We don't care yeah. that, can t- that can top Frankenstein. We want you to make something scarier and freakier than Frankenstein. And he was like, are you sure? <laughs> and they were like, yeah. yeah. You know, and they gave him complete free reign on this movie, and they were like, "Do what you want, you know, be creative as you want, and just give us a movie that will scare and shock people." And this was the movie that he came out with. God damn, did it shock people? Uh, um, I don't know if you guys had looked about the responses from people when the movie first came out and stuff like that, but as we get into it about how I felt about the cast, it really shocked me the responses I was reading that this movie was getting from the public and the outcry yeah. that was coming from the public about how this movie should be completely shut down. It wasn't great. But, yeah, people were against it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, so, that's an well, easy enough reason right there. I mean, the fact of the matter is, again, that very same thing that – you know, people like us might find fascinating about this film, like the fact that these people yeah. are all, you know, people with real, uh, you know, real real disabilities and whatnot. You know, nothing makes people more uncomfortable than something that makes them look in on themselves mm-hmm. and make them feel wrong or bad. 
you know, and if they're looking at this and they're watching this for an entertainment purpose, well, they're not finding entertainment in it, especially with the mindset back then. You know, you're talking two years after the stock market crash. Um, yep. You know, there's there's all kinds of stuff going on, and here you got a movie that's literally, you know, you're you're watching this. You, you go to the theater, you want to be entertained, or you want to be scared. You know, you want to see something like Frankenstein or Dracula, where it's a story, and instead you're seeing people with real issues like this and it's making you feel bad as a human being because this movie's telling you that most regular normal people look at these people and make fun of them yeah they do um and it's like the story i was telling to the monkey the other night about how when todd browning was filming the movie on the mgm back lot a lot of these people with these deformities they kind of felt like they were hollywood like, and they just wanted to hang out <laughs> on the MGM back lot wearing sunglasses, and they just wanted to go to the commissary and hang out and eat and drink. And they would go, and they would party at the commissary. Like, they would just hang out, you know. And all these people that were kind of afraid of these people, they were like, oh, God, what the fuck is this? This person that doesn't have any appendages. You know, they're just hanging out. Like, you know, they were terrified of these poor people that were making this movie, but they were all like, hey, Hollywood. Like, you know, they, they didn't care. Well, they were just so happy to be involved in a movie that featured them. Yeah, but then on top of that, the thing was um, all of the MGM cast were so upset and so many people were complaining to the head of the studio that um, it forced the head of the studio to make a tent outside, mm-hmm. and they made, and they made all, all of the cast have their – lunch and breaks and stuff like that out there in the tent away from everyone else in the commissary. Again, just mirroring what's happening in, that's getting ready to happen in this movie. Is yeah. you know that you know, we're not just looking at fiction here, you know, we're we're you know, as you read more and more about the behind the scenes stuff that went on with this movie, you know, yeah, like the Google said, you know, this shit is real, you know, about the re- the, the reactions that happened in this movie. Mm. Well, um, and I mean, it's also yeah, something yeah. if you, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what, I, I know this was based off of something I saw it at the beginning of the film and I, I didn't yes, look into that backstory yeah, enough. Um, but that being said, you know, a lot of this is also what um, P.T. Barnum went through when he first started mm-hmm. the circus, you know, well, what would become the circus, you know, his whole entire original building was really, it was just a freak show. Um, yeah, and the, uh, unfortunately, I, I really enjoyed the Greatest Showman. Uh, I feel like it only like hinted at that part of it. I felt like the more interesting story would have been his relationship with him and the quote oh, unquote right? freaks that were a part of his 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 crew. Um, yeah, but they really they really focused so much on just him and the yeah. things that he got involved with that it kind of pulled away from that. And I really would have enjoyed for it to have like really kind of sank in with you and realized that, you know, like he created this entire, this entire world for these guys only to kind of lose, like the movie basically is him losing himself into the Hollywood scene. Um, You know, trying to be legitimate and trying to be bigger and more than, than he was. Um, and, you know, there's just like a hint of when they want to get involved with it, too, and him kind of shutting them down, being like, you guys can't be a part of this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're fucking out of your minds. You guys are fucking weirdos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Good, monkey. 
I was just going to say, and speaking of weirdos, is exactly how the movie opens up with this Rob Zombie kind of moment here where, you know, you're, it's, I, I love how the movie opens up of drawing you in to the scene here of you are now entering the circus, you're, you know, part of the paying crowd, and we're going to sit there and as you walk around and see the freaks and geeks that are all around you, we're going to show you <laughs> the most troubling thing that you will ever, ever see. You know, once the most beautiful woman in the world, now this disfigured monstrosity that you see before you. And I love that they do <laughs> The <that>. woman faints. <laughs> <laughs> no! Just faints. And, and I love how this movie just opens up with, you know, classic, you know, Carnival Barker kind of, you know, drawing you in to, to use it as the hook to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, why I like the theme for our show, because I feel like it has that Carnival Barker appeal to it, where it's, you're coming in for a show, we're going to give you one. Um, but when you have Han... Believe me, if you saw the monkey, you'd faint, too. <laughs> yeah. Especially with his puckered butthole. Um, but when... You have Han... Don't talk about the monkey's butthole. <laughs> yeah. uh, his interactions with Cleopatra, Hans and Cleopatra, did you feel like at first she was just kind of placating him, you know, by getting down on the ground so he could put his her shirt, you know, her cape on so she could walk away? Um, no. At first, I didn't even know that Frida and Hans were engaged. Like, they were getting ready to be married, but yet he's got his eyes on Cleopatra going, yeah, I want that shit. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I want that tall like, pussy. Because <laughs> at first it seems like Cleopatra is just kind of being nice to him. Like, yeah, oh, it's fine. What? Like, you can put my cape on. No. 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 She was playing him from the start. You can see that she just was, was getting a giggle out of the whole thing because here's this this little guy, and you know he's, he's again he looks like a Gerber baby. But, you know, in reality, <laughs> you're talking about a 30-year-old man at this time. Um, I, I don't know if they – they didn't right off the bat let you know that Frida and him were an item. But I kind of right. just took it as they were. Um, that might even be kind of a little bit of a uh, – I, I just – I guess it's – prejudice in which I was like, oh, okay, there's two little people and they're talking to one another like that. They must be, a, you know, an item. Um, I don't think it's prejudice. But, yeah, I don't kind of is, you know what I mean? It's like if I see two midgets in the store, you know, if I, I look at them together, am I supposed to automatically assume, well, hey, you're both midgets, you must be married? Yeah, but they played it that way. <laughs> movie, that they had something no, going on. And judging between the way they were talking at the time is what really made me feel like they, they were yeah. something. But, uh, yeah, I felt like she, right off the bat, was just kind of getting a laugh out of him. She was enjoying that he was giving that attention, knowing that she was never going to be giving up that muff. Yeah, and and right off the bat, uh, King is like she's not being nice to him because she drops the cape, to, you know, to show off her shoulders and shit like that. But then she rolls She's her shoulders flirting. to get him to put the cape. No, yeah. But she rolls her shoulders to get him to. He pick, picks up the cape and he wants to put it on her shoulders. And she turns around while standing up and just looks down at him. You know, she. Yeah, see, I thought that bitch. was like playful. Like I didn't take it as like she was being malicious. No, like, she I didn't was think being that a bitch. Was... Okay. I, I took it as she she was being a bitch saying you can't do this. And then she, 
she decides to fuck with him and then uh, kneel down so he can put it on. See, yeah, I didn't take it that way. I thought that she was just kind of playing with him in a way, but not, like, maliciously. Like, I thought she was just like, okay, whatever, he likes me, it's fine. Um, it wasn't until later when he starts giving her gifts that are really fucking expensive, fucking necklaces and shit like that, where I'm like, okay, now she's involved. Now she wants yeah. to fucking seduce this guy because he has money, which she doesn't have. Well, he has, well, he's got some money from somewhere, and she has no idea where it's from, but she's just enjoying the gifts that are ha- going on. Ah, yeah, and the, the one character I wanted to talk about was Hercules, who is the oh, love interest of Cleopatra in between the scenes. He's supposed to be the strong man, but yet he's just a lanky fucking tall guy. <laughs> like, and I was like, I don't know. I wish they had found somebody with bigger muscles to play Hercules. Well, no, again, too, though, you got to remember back then he was also big. He was tall. As well, mm-hmm. you can see that he's much taller than most of the other normal-sized people uh, in, in the film. Um, yeah. But that, that was your typical strongman look back then. You know, if mm-hmm. you look at, like, your old pictures from, from the circus and whatnot, you typically had guys, they weren't like Arnold Schwarzenegger muscle-bound. They typically had broad right. chests and standard-looking arms, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But that was all part of the show, you know? Whatever weight they were lifting, you know, whether it was real or not, this was always really the question. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, but, again, I didn't really get the strongman vibe because I still picture, you know, strongman, you know, like when you see it on Family Guy, the Victorian-looking muscle men and their unitards and their bald heads <laughs> and their <laughs> yeah, handlebar mustaches. But, yeah, I I agree, though, with the king, though, about, uh, you know, uh, our muscle man looks more like just somebody's drunk, mad drunken uncle than a muscle man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other characters that we have in this film are Venus, who is getting away from Hercules because she's giving all her money to Hercules. And then you have Feroso, the clown, and I like Froso. Like, he was the one character I got behind in this movie because he <laughs> loved everybody. Like, he didn't have any hatred towards any of the freaks. He treated them like normal people. And I wanted more of his character in the movie because I felt like he was the, the, the center of, I don't hate any of these people. Like, I treat them like they're everybody else while Hercules and Cleopatra make fun of them. Yeah, he he was definitely that that cool kid in class that was actually genuinely nice to everyone, and everyone actually liked him. You know, that rare cool kid that's like that. And yeah, he was just cool to everybody, and carrying on conversations with everyone, actually genuinely knowing what's going on with all of their lives. You know, and being the good guy of the circus. Mm-hmm. I felt like, um, being that you know this film had a lot of it cut. Um, yes, it's pre-code, but I, you know, I guess due to some of the content that was shown right. um, in the initial cut, the original movie was 90 minutes, and I, I don't know what would have been shown with him that would have been, you know, so bad or whatever that needed to be cut. But like, for some reason, I feel like his story is is kind of chopped up to where I wonder if anything that fleshed him out more 
was left on the cutting room floor. You know, it felt like it was it was chunky mm. and whatever it is that he had, you know. Mm. Like I found it interesting that when she first goes off on him, it's weird. As she's sitting there and she's yelling at him and he's not answering. He's not saying anything because he's in clown he's still in his clown makeup at the time. He doesn't actually start to speak to her until he gets the clown makeup off when he first <laughs> yeah. wipes the face. And then all of a sudden he's like, Hey, wait a minute it was almost like when he was in clown form, he was an entirely different person, and I felt like they were going to go with that somewhere, and then they right. never did. That's a good point, Ghoul. That's a really good point, man. Nice catch. Because it was bizarre, the fact that Venus went off on him, and he's still wiping off the, the makeup. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, wait a second, Dane. You're not going to tell me what I have to think about you because you're a fucking Dane. Like, you know, I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, see? You, hey, lady. You, you, <laughs> you, you dizzy broad. I got a lot to say about you. You're going to be, you're not going to talk to me that way because I'm the clown. I'm Froso. That's a really good point you bring up, Ghoul, though, just because later we get to uh, a point where he talks about how he takes his clowning very serious to him. It's an art. You know, he's always working. He's always creating, you know, and you know, his brain just never shuts off because he's always trying to come up with a new thing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, could, I could very much see that as, yeah, you know, when he's in clown form, he's in clown form. Well, especially the gag that he has with the suit where he puts that whole suit together. So when he's walking around with it and you bang him on the head with the hammer, his head goes down to it and Venus doesn't laugh at it. He's like, what, it's not funny? It's not funny to you? Like, it's <laughs> He's trying to create. He's trying to make something new for the circus. I love that. I was like, like, that was fun. You know what I mean? You got to figure back in 1930, you know, whatever, whatever year that this is supposed to be taking place. Um, You know, it's definitely uh, interesting. It's interesting, too, to go with two, you know, I know that they, they were little people and whatnot, but so many German characters in the film. Yeah. Because, again, we're talking prior to World War II. Yeah, so, you know, I would think that if this movie came out, you know, just a couple of years later, you probably would not have had that. No. Yeah, I, I definitely couldn't see German characters being a part of this movie if it was during World War Two or uh, post World War Two. So and it kind of adds that extra element. And that's another good element you bring up, Ghoul, is we also don't know. We know when this movie was released, but we don't know when this movie is supposed to take place. Because they leave it very ambiguous about a- anything relating to the outside world. Yeah, it, it's only about life inside the circus. Yeah, and we, and they're traveling by coach, horse. Yeah, you know they don't have motor. They don't have the motor vehicles. Right. So that that kind of lends to that as well. But again, it could also just be the carny life of you know they really just don't have the money to have you know motor vehicles. But this is 1932, and I don't know. I think of like shows like Carnival and stuff yeah. like that, which were taking place during the Dust Bowl and all that shit. And you know they were still able to to at least generate a little bit of money in order to to provide motorized vehicles because it just made it that much easier to get from place to place to continue making money. Right. But I guess that's, you know, every carnival has its own little gimmicks. Yep. Yeah, and this was completely wagon-based, where you had to have horses. Like, there was no cars that could drive these people from town to town. It was all, you know, horse-drawn carriages, um, which I liked. You know, I thought that was a cool element. That plays out in the end. Um, but, you know, it was 
the fact that you have uh, Violet, uh, the conjoined twin, and she has her husband, Roscoe, who stutters <laughs> really badly. But, you know, he's always trying to talk to her. You d- 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 don't. I, I, like, you know. I was like, and he's guy. a brick. He is. I, f- I felt like he was the inspiration for that character in Friday the 13th, Part 5. Really? Okay. I didn't take that. I feel like no. that kid that stutters in that watched this movie at some point and was like, that is how I'm going to portray, you know, my stuttering problem. I don't know, just mm-hmm. the, the, the intonation, the inflection. You know, like I've seen, obviously I've seen other films that have characters that stutter. You know, Stuttering Bill is always the first thing that comes to my mind um, from it. But just there was something so similar about the inflection and the way he was doing mm-hmm. it that the first thing that came to my head was, holy shit, the kid from Friday the 13th Part 5. See, and I thought one for the Rooker's Nest, Brad Dorff, mm-hmm. where he had the stutter. But I really enjoyed like his his way of getting across the stutter because it didn't come across as just bad acting. It, it it actually came across as an actual stutter and you know struggling to get the words out. You know, while like you had just said, you know, stuttering Bill and it, you know, just seemed like he would just stutter on a few lines here and there, <laughs> and it could come and go. While he did a solid job of ha- doing it through every scene that he had. Yeah. Well, in particular, though, Stuttering Bill, that is one of his character traits. He actually doesn't have a stutter. It's in his head. That's why it comes yeah. and goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's right. But it was also the the fact that the, the other sister had the boyfriend who comes into the movie, <laughs> and he's like, hey, I love you, Dan. You know, I'm going to give you a kiss. And he gives her a kiss, and the other sister feels it, so she's like, ooh, doing my lady part. What a what a dilemma. What a nightmare. Right? Like, what a what a nightmare life to have to like, you know, and again, I guess, you know, you're happy yeah. just to fucking exist. But like think yep. about it, man. Like I've got siblings. You know, you've got a sibling. Like could you like you know, for you I think it's the best. Like, King, could you honestly picture spending your life attached to Matt? Oh my god. Like think about that. <laughs> think about that. The two of you guys attached by like the fucking hip or something. <laughs> For your life, like you guys still have your same exact personalities, but fully yep. attached. Yeah, I would not be happy being attached yeah. in the rest of my life. Yeah, and then what? Like, if, and then what? You know, what if it made it worse by your brother was gay and you weren't? Right. Like, Jesus Lord. Hearing my brother talk about Trump all the time, they're like I just want to kill myself. <laughs> no, but even the monkey brings up something there. I mean, wow. I, mean, talk, like, I guess that's one of those things, though, that it's such a rare thing to have conjoined twins. Like, has there ever been a case in which, like, there's a pair, like, oh, obviously they're always a pair, but where there's conjoined yeah. people that one is straight and one is gay? Like, how do you even work that oh out? That would be bizarre because I don't even know how it would work sexually with their orgy. The fucking like, freakiest foursome you'd ever seen, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but what if? Well, but what? What if the king and his brother were conjoined and his brother was gay and he wasn't? But the problem is they're conjoined at the ad. Right, like it would be so hard because you <laughs> just want to get the dick in. Okay, <laughs> it <didn't> work. <laughs> 
Well, no, I, I mean, I guess it. that works. But, you know, that works out. I mean, that makes that it has to be the one is obviously the top. You know, they're both going to end up being <laughs> tops because they don't have bottoms. So they're either going to have to be really good at their mouth work or you got to be, you know, fucking the, the thrust king. Like, can I just read the comic book through this? <laughs> Put a sheet up. The, king, the king's up outside reading up just the king book. <laughs> yeah, this just gives a whole, it's a whole new take to the king and I, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he's like trying to read. I'm together with Greg Kinnear and Matt Damning where I'm just fucking trying to read and he's banging away. Like, you have fun over there? Oh yeah! <laughs> the king is the king is just rocking in the dark with a flashlight, trying to read a Stephen King book. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just some guy plowing away. <laughs> Tuesday, dude. If, if, if I had a conjoined fucking twin, man, they'd be hating me just just due to the fact that I masturbate as much as I do. You know? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, like they don't even need to ask what you're doing. It's more of like that. Oh, fucking really again? <laughs> you just did this a half hour ago. Come on, man. I don't know. I just saw a new video on X videos. <laughs> Fucking Come XNXX, on. man. Yo, Brazos just released a new scene, you know? There's a stepmother video I haven't seen before. It's a threesome. I just want to watch the Smithsonian channel. <laughs> What do you what do you mean I'm watching that Romy Rain video for the fifteenth time? Why are you keeping count, dude? <laughs> I'm looking at my same videos. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get something going here. <laughs> but you know, as, <laughs> but yeah, as we get more and more introduced to the characters, you know, we also have that one scene where um, we have the one mother character that has some time off and takes yeah. the pinheads out, and um, you know. Th- she just takes them out to a vineyard so they can go outside and play. And this is where we start to have these moments where we're making these characters real. And they have real emotions because um, the person that owns the land is upset because these freaks are on their land. And he goes to get the mayor of the town or whatever to chase them off the property. And the mother figure, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, uh, scolds them both because she's trying to explain to them they're just kids and they just want to play they just yeah, want to be outside that, oh go ahead I Google. thought that guy was like the groundskeeper and the guy that's that he brought yeah. was the man that owned the property that's why that guy yeah. said that they can stay because it's his property okay that's why I took it alright All right, my mistake but, yeah it wasn't uh, the mayor I thought it was just the groundskeeper like you know okay. he was all upset that they were having fun well, hanging out and he's like oh well, fuck it they can't hang out on my land and he's like, no, it's fine. It's discrimination, you know? I mean, and and to them and their, you know, you get it from the guy's own words, you know, where back in the day, sometimes people like this would be born and, you know, they would be put, you know, out of their quote-unquote yeah. misery um, yeah. rather than have to live lives like this, you know? And to mm-hmm. some people, they looked at people like this as they were affronts to God. You know, God made a yeah. mistake. God is supposed to be infallible. So when something like this is created, you know, that's due to the devil's fucking work, that kind of shit. Um, yeah, or, you or know, God so, punished the child for some reason. Yeah, any number of things there. So, you know, yeah. unfortunately, it's just how how beliefs were, were looked at under certain people. Not everybody looked at it that way, you know. And obviously the guy that owns this property 
you know, saw them for what they were, you know, they were at that particular moment, a bunch of scared kids, you know, even if they're grown adults, you know, that, that have microcephaly, you know, you can see that they have the mentality of children. Yeah. And that's, yeah. um, one of the things I loved about, uh, the clown that we had talked about earlier is how he treats them when he talks to the pinheads. And he's like, if I go to Paris, I'm going to get you a big hat with a big feather in it. And if I go to Paris, I'm going to get you a hat with a big feather in it. And I'm also going to get you a big hat with a feather in it. Like, he was just so caring about these characters. Like, he didn't see them Mm -hmm. as deformed freaks. Like, he saw them as normal people. And he cared about them a lot. You know, so it was Frozo the Clown that really, like I said, he was one of my favorite characters. Because that's the way I looked at him as. They're just people with deformities. Like, there's no reason why you should be treating them any different than anybody else. Like, they just have deformities. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he looked at it as, as the family that they were. Yeah. You know, just like you deal with your brother, you know, even with his deformities. <laughs> I know. Even with his Trump deformities. <laughs> I deal with it every day. I'm going to get him a big hat with a feather in it. <laughs> <laughs> That should be his next birthday present, man. Give it to him. Yeah. Don't even tell him why. Just give it to him. Take a picture. Get it on the Talking Tower page. That's all we need. Yeah, I know. Just to have the big ass feather in it. You earn this. You earn this, Matt. <laughs> but as things continue, like we, 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 it starts to go back and forth now. Where we're getting a little bit of circus life here and there, and then we keep going. Uh, <clears throat> Back to our love triangle that is, but excuse me, between Cleopatra, Hercules, and Hans, because apparently Hans is still trying to woo Cleopatra, but right. Cleopatra on the side is sitting there getting some of that Hercules dick, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, in a big way. Herculean, the Herculean PB. And it, like you had said, Muggy, it's not only until she finds out that. Hans has a big fucking inheritance coming his way from Frida's fucking fiance with her big mouth. Like, why the hell would you say so? Like, I thought (laughs) she was saying that as a means to kind of create almost a trap for her, you know, because I didn't see any other purpose behind the character, like bringing that up. But, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. it was just out of innocent, just blabbering. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it was. Frida was just talking. Like, you know, she didn't really feel like it was going to affect any other way. But once uh, Cleopatra finds out, she's like, hell yeah, I'll marry him. Uh, like fucking Maurice and Miz. I love he's got the money fact to- that I just found it funny that, you know, the Hercules is like, he's like, he must have billions. I'm thinking like this <laughs> yeah. is 1932. Like, you know, like back then, like millions was a lot of money. So like, you know, like I just feel like billions at that point was like inconceivable for people. <laughs> Did billions mm-hmm. even exist back then? <laughs> I know. Did billions exist? <laughs> Naive to the entire world, you know, and 
deeply loves her little Han, you know, but and only wants the best for him. But, you know, she has no dark thoughts of any kind throughout this entire movie. But, just such no, she doesn't. She really thing. doesn't have any black spots, you know, as yeah. far as the character goes. Like, she just wants what's best for Han. Even if that's what she and she loves him because because he is her love, he is her heart. Uh, just just to put this into perspective, in this time frame, uh, Forbes published in I think it was nineteen, I don't know, somewhere like nineteen eighteen or something like that. At that time, mm. one person, as far as their tracking went, was worth over a billion dollars, and that was John D. Rockefeller. He was worth in 1918. He was worth 1.2 billion. The next mm-hmm. richest person, the next person below him, was Henry Clay Frick, who was only worth 225 million. That's what the, this, that's the difference between the number one and the number two right there. That's insane. So, so Rockefeller himself. Was only worth one million, one billion and some change. <laughs> yes, yeah. and you know that was that was an oil baron, not a yeah. you know whatever Hans was, man. Like we never get any yeah. reasoning, no no purpose as to why he's wealthy or anything like that. I don't know. Maybe he's from some rich German family that well, what they, I guess decided they, to they, to give him up to go to the circus life. Well, they <laughs> yeah. said they said um, a rich relative of his died and left him left him all of their money. Oh, must have been John yeah. D. Rockefeller. <laughs> <laughs> he must have billion. <laughs> but that's what I love about the the wedding feast, which is what we have. Um, all the freaks getting together, they're all getting fucked up, they're all drinking, they're all having a good time. <laughs> you have the cuckoo bird fucking doing his dance. That's oh, where you man, get the I'll... American horror story, <laughs> you know, reference. With the bird doing the yes. dance, but it's the fact that you have Hercules there with Cleopatra, where he's like, "Yes, we're gonna get fucked up and we're gonna fucking dance," and he's fucking kissing her, and you have Hans going, "Oh, I'm really fucking disappointed by this," but you have the freaks going, "She's one of us now." Gooboo gobble, gooboo gobble, one of us, one of us. Passing around the big ass fucking wine. Yeah, passing around the big goblet of fucking wine. To me, I would fucking party with these fucking people. I would fucking be getting drunk with these fucking freaks every fucking weekend and having fun. What a bizarre scene. What a bizarre. Like, seriously, like, that's the kind of thing, like, you know. Like, imagine, like, you just happen to be, like, walking by, you peek in, and that's what you see going on, man. Holy <laughs> fuck. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, I know we haven't mentioned him at all because, you know, he was actually just hes just one of the side characters. But uh, the one that really kind of fucked with me so much was the human worm, dude. Like, that was just, oh, like, yeah. wow. Who could like, light you know, a fucking cigarette with no fucking Just to lighting? watch the... With, with a guy like fucking like there's a dude standing right there, you know what I mean? Like, come on, like, look, I know this guy can be on his own, but fucking light the goddamn match for him, please. Like, <laughs> come on. But it was to showcase the fact that he could do it on his own. I think that's the whole reason that scene was in there, was to show you that he could do it without anybody helping him. Like, he could roll his own cigarette, he could fucking light it, and he could smoke it on his own. That's the whole reason I thought that sequence was in there. 
Yeah, because I found out in the uncut version, yeah, you actually see him roll it as well. You don't just see him pull out the cigarette and light it and stuff. He actually rolls it, then puts it out there and lights it and then smokes it. And yet he has that big-ass full mustache. How does he not burn that fucking mustache off? (laughs) He probably has a bunch of times, you know. They're not going to show us that. But um, what did you guys think about Cleopatra's reaction? Once they accepted her into the fucking freaks, where she's like, "I'm not one of you," like you know, and it's like, "Yeah, but you kind of are because you're marrying Hans." Like it's it's kind of a wrong move for you to make, especially if you want yeah. this fucking guy's billions. It it was a huge slap in the face, man. It was nothing but disrespect to all of them, you know, and that's why they react the way they do. That's one of those weird ones where, again, I just wonder if in, like, you know, in the stuff that got chopped out, like, you know, did it show that she was a little more dismissive of them in general? Was she, you know, really disgusted by them to that point? Like, yeah, we see that she's greedy. We see that she, you know, somewhat holds herself like she feels like she's, she's better because she's just a normal person but we only see that because of her relationship with Hans and how she's treating him um, like I don't know it kind of felt weird that you know here she is she's traveling with them she works with all of these people right. yet she really looks down on all of them as such like that just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere because they were looking to, to put her in their fold um and again, like, I think that's where, like, you know, again, if they, they would have been able to put out the full movie, I just wonder if that would have delved into that a little bit more. Like, I wonder how much story stuff got chopped out of it. Yeah, yeah. that's the one thing, Ghoul, is that we had brought up is that the fact that this movie is 64 minutes long that you could find, but it was a 90-minute movie. So a yep. lot of it got destroyed after it was made because they just weren't happy with the final product, so they just eliminated an entire segment of this movie. So maybe there was scenes with Cleopatra, you know, uh, just kind of going around with the freaks. Maybe there was something more. I know as we go into the finale, uh, there's definitely things cut. And probably for good reason, because... That's got double meaning all over it, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, like even Hercules, who's obviously, you know, a quote-unquote freak... You right. know, like, his reaction even was, like, you know, I don't know, kind of weird, because it was, like, you know, you don't know whether he's really with them or, like, what right. makes him feel like he's not a part of them, you know? Like, I get, like, she yeah. joined, let's let's say she joined recently or something. Okay, I can accept that. But it felt like he had been with them for a while because he's with Venus mm-hmm. and now he's with her, you know? So, like, it just, it, it seemed a little bit odd. It seemed disjointed. And, again, I don't know if that's the director. I don't know if that's cutting, if that's writing, where that is. You know, it could just be that it's the product of its time. And they didn't feel like that yeah. would be the interesting stuff. But for me, that's what I wanted to see more of. Yeah. Right. And when we go into the finale, the, the last part of this movie, we have Cleopatra poisoning Hans, trying to get little him to drink little. this poison, trying to get him to oh, fucking die. wow, monkey, so that was bad. Little by little. And she's <laughs> trying to poison his drink, trying to give him medicine, and he's laying in bed. You have the one doctor going, it's poison. She's like, oh, my God, No. What? Like, 
That's crazy. <laughs> well, that's fucked up. Like, you know, I guess I'll give him more than this medication. <laughs> Uh, um, But it leads to the finale With the the stagecoaches leaving They're all going to a different location Hans obviously knows at this point That he's been fucked up with Cleopatra So he's going to contend with the freaks To get his revenge And I fucking loved it Especially when He sits up in the bed And he's like "Uh huh Let's see what's in the bottle and you have the one freak Give me that freak out the fucking switchblade. <laughs> He's like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna wipe this switchblade off. And then he has the one freak get the fucking gun. He's like, mm-hmm. Just gonna wipe <laughs> this gun off. I'm gonna see what's going on with this gun. And she's like, Oh my god, no! Oh my god, what's happening? They're revolting against us. Like, yeah, you should have I gotta that. figure that guy would have to put his back up against the wall or something in order to stabilize himself in order to fire a gun because this guy with no legs, you know, he walks on his hands and, you know, I, I can't see him like propping himself up with one hand while using the other hand to, to fire accurately. So like, I'm trying to think of all the logistics behind some of this yeah, stuff, you know? but yeah, man, when, when that one little guy pulls out that knife, man, that's just like, you know what? There's something kind of scary about that idea. Like, you know, yeah. hey, listen, this guy's got, he's nothing to fuck with. Well, especially with the, the human worm that we talked about, the one that can light his own cigarette, you know, with his mouth. The fact that he's, he's got a knife in his mouth, carrying the switchblade. <laughs> what the fuck are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna <laughs> do, dude? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, you know, all you gotta do is gotta step to the side and kick him, and I think that's are in good shape. He was so dead set on carrying the switchblade. I'm like, there's nothing you're gonna do with that switchblade. <laughs> just mud nothing. on the ground. Just gonna try to put on his head, you know. <laughs> You right, know. but while 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 all of this is going on, we also have Hercules, who is trying to go after Venus because he's convinced that Venus is going to try and go to the cops because she knows something. So now we have dual things going on where Hercules is going after Venus, Phosmo's going after Hercules, so he's going to sit there and Kung Fu Karate chop the fucking door on Venus's <laughs> yeah. carriage. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> I got you, Hercules. Oh yeah, like, clown fucking kung fu, yeah. clown fu. But, happening but, right for so, but for some reason, I don't know why. It's like again, you know, uh, I don't know if it was Chopper for some reason, you know. But for some reason, also in the road turns to fucking shit, and you got carriages falling all over the fucking place on the fucking yeah. road, you know. Well, there's a there's a storm fire. going on. It was muddy. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> But, you know, so now we have... Traveling was not easy back then, man. Haven't you ever played Oregon (laughs) Trail, bro? You know, your fucking shit has died of dysentery, motherfucker. You You should have it. It was real. (laughs) I got it every time. Billy Joe got a broken arm. And one week later, he died. Uh-huh. But it was the fact that... You ain't making it to Oregon. (laughs) It was the fact that you had Hercules running off into the darkness. And this is, again, like we had talked about with the ghoul, how there was a 90-minute cut of this movie that got destroyed. In the original version, the freaks catch up the Hercules in the woods, and they castrate him. And the next scene you see Hercules in, he's singing falsetto in a choir. Because his dick <laughs> cut the fuck off. So, 
there was periods of this movie that got cut off, which is unfortunate. Um, especially with uh, Cleopatra, when she runs off into the woods, she goes, oh, my God, no, and that's it. No, in the the 90-minute cut, she got cast upon by these freaks, and they were slashing at her, and they were cutting at her. And when you get to see her next as the human duck, makes more sense. (laughs) Quack, quack. Beautiful fucking work by these freaks. I think the the ending was was effective as is. So, you know, I I didn't need to see him castrated. I would have liked to have seen him... I guess maybe finished. I mean, I guess I wouldn't have minded right. castration, but um, but her no, she was she was perfect. I like the way they cut it, and yeah. I like the fact that you know here we go, we cut back to the beginning, and boom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the fact and that they I, managed to do that to her, <laughs> managed yeah. to make her into the human duck, and she's like, whack whack whack. That's all <laughs> she could say. I was like, great job, guys. Good job. High fives all around. <laughs> And, yeah, and when we have this reveal, it's like I just love, like, the whole Captain Spaulding of feel that he gave me of just this <laughs> yeah. human deformity that they went and turned her into. It's like I fucking loved it, you know. It's like, a, you know, it, it was just, you know, revenge is just so fucking sweet, especially when it's a tall, blonde bitch. <laughs> and Julie is one of them now. I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought the movie could have ended right there. But in 1932, MGM wanted something more. They wanted a happier ending. So that's why they tagged on this ending of Hans being a millionaire now, living in this fucking posh-ass mansion. I don't want to see anybody. I don't care. Living in shame. (laughs) It felt tacked on, and that's the way I felt. Because MGM tacked it on, and it felt tacked on. Or you have uh, Frida come and go. Even the coloring of the film looked right. off in that in the scene. Yeah. So it did. It felt tacked on. It felt like we have to do something to make it a happy ending. Again, it's pre-code. They didn't have to make it happy, but they decided to do it. So you have Frida going, "Hun, it's not your fault. You did everything that you could to stop them, but they didn't. But, like, you didn't do anything to stop them. Fuck you, Hans." My little (laughs) leap (laughs) scene. But again, like the girl said, Hans isn't innocent. He let it happen. Yep. You know what? And Even I the cool girl, because she, she was watching this with me, and you know, she uh, she gives big props. She really enjoyed this film. Um, so Good so thing. thank you, Will. Um, but uh, yeah, like even at the very beginning, you know, when she first saw Cleopatra kind of playing him. She was like, oh, but, you know, it didn't take her very long to be like, wow, you know what? He's a douchebag. He's engaged. You know, he shouldn't be yeah. fucking trying to get up in this fucking big chick shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make him a good character. Like, he no. should have just stayed away from her altogether. Yeah. Look how big his dick was. Well, we know they didn't consummate the marriage, so we won't know. <laughs> yeah, no. He was too sick to consummate the marriage. Um, but again, like Frida looked like I said the monkey the other night. She, you know, she's a small person, but at the same time, has some stature. You know, wearing the heels. Like I, I wouldn't automatically think she belonged to the sideshow. Well, she because she had that stature. Face, like, you know, like she just looked like a small that. person. 
up. And that's the thing. It's not all small people need to be, the, you know, the classic little person look. There's different variations of being a little person, and that was right. the variation in their family stream. All right. But that pretty much wraps up Freaks, guys. I'm glad everyone seemed to have fun with it. Ghoul, I'm really glad that the ghoul gal had a fun time with it. Uh, right. But let's see here. So next week we have the Doc's pick. Is that right, King? We do. The Doc decided to pick a movie from 2018 last year, a Shutter film called Revenge, which is a French film that is almost like the female version of The Punisher. As I saw from the trailer, I have nothing to say about this movie except we're going to cover it. Oh, so the doc is really enjoying his new Shutter subscription, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I already have it. I already, you know, have a copy of it. So we're going to cover weird French revenge films next week from 2018, courtesy of the doc. Oh. Okay. I know the ghoul's excited. Yeah. So oh, well, you know, you know me. He's over ghoul. Anytime it's a rape, it's anytime it's a rape revenge movie, I'm uh, I'll be ready to go. Ghoul glide in hand. Yeah. 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 And I and right. I'm sure the ghoul gal will like it too. So since we get into kinky shit like that, should be a good time. Monkey, go ahead and sign yourself off. Speaking of good times, though, because I think that's where the monkey was alluding towards. Um, yeah. You want to have a good time. You know, Valentine's Day is over. But we do have St. Patrick's Day, yeah. Easter, all kinds of shit. Um, if you want to get your you know shillelagh what? rubbed. <laughs> if you want your shillelagh rubbed, and I mean fucking rubbed right, you need to get your ass to Bonfire Beads Designs at Etsy, okay, and buy some of this awesome jewelry that the cool girl is putting out. Um, she's getting stuff made and out there. She's on Marketplace right now as well, just throwing little bits and pieces out there, but she's got a lot of pieces that have just been moving like hotcakes. Um, uh, we just got a batch in of, uh, and I just put, you know, I have mine. I had to get mine, but I've got a, uh, you know, my own Thanos Infinity gem ring, which is pretty oh, that was awesome. cool, man. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm going to kick the world's ass and I'm going to snap my fingers yeah. and make a whole bunch snap of people disappear. <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way. There was so, so, some, something in the instruction manual that I must have done wrong. I got to re-go over it again because it just didn't make the right people go. Um, but that being said, again, go on our Etsy page, Bonfire Bee Designs. It's all one word. And check it out. You know, see see what you like. Get it for your girl, your guy, your if you've got a dwarf, you've got a big person, whoever, there's all kinds of stuff on there for the freak at home. Excellent. All right, Monkey, go ahead and send yourself off. All right, boys and girls at home, I'm your mad Monkey saying thanks for listening to my pick of the week and let me come in your ear. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent as always. <laughs> Bow, bow. <laughs> Wait, you're still here? What are you doing here? Go, go home. home. Go home. Enough already. Stop listening to us. Go home. Go jack off. Go fuck your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, whoever. Just go home. Do it. Uh, until next week. As, as for me, I just want to say real quick, you know, I am going in for a procedure on Friday. Um, everything mm-hmm. should be perfectly fine. Should be easy peasy. 
If not, just remember everybody out there, I love you all, but stay scared. All right? Stay scared. Well, you know what? As we close out, I love you too, Ghoul. You're my brother. I want you to be around for a long time. Hope the procedure goes well. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. We'll see you next time. We love you all. Have a good time. One of us. One of us. <laughs>